Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Say, before we get going on the pod today, I wanted to share with you about something special that Soccer Chaplains United chaplains are working on for next week. Well, we're putting together a virtual Ash Wednesday service. That's right. Wednesday, 17 February is Ash Wednesday, and it's a time that the church and Christians around the world mark the beginning of the season of Lent and the 40 days or so leading up to Easter Sunday. Now, I'm not sure if I'll do a separate podcast next week, but we're currently working out this virtual video service, and I think it's going to be really special. So be looking out for that next week. Well, tomorrow, February 11, marks a special day on my calendar. It's Cademan's Day. Although I don't think many know about this man who lived in the 7th century. Today on the podcast, I want to share the story of the life of Cademan of Whitby. His life and story is powerful for anyone and everyone who's a storyteller, a singer, a songwriter, or even a soccer player. So stay tuned, and we'll be back right after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Soccer, or football as most of us know it, is the world's most beautiful game. Having played the game when I was younger, and being around the game for most of my life, there's a certain art form, a poetry, a beauty to the game that's undeniable. You know, unlike American football, which kind of marches up and down, back and forth, soccer is much different. It's not merely linear, it's more multidimensional. And different than a large majority of other sports, soccer requires skill and dexterity primarily with the feet, sometimes the head. And while I don't have any academic studies handy, it seems to me that foot-eye coordination might have a little bit greater difficulty than hand-eye coordination. At least it did for me. But I digress. How does any of this relate to a 7th century man named Kadem? Well, I'll get to him in a minute, and forgive me for a moment as I try to connect myself, Cademan, and soccer. Most of you listening today, if you know me, you may not know much about my background with music. It's nothing great or fanciful, certainly nothing like some of our other chaplains like Ben Dudley in Portland or Billy Servany in Nashville. But when I was young, my choir and vocal teacher at school recommended me for the Phoenix Boys Choir. I had a knack for being really close to having what's called perfect pitch. Essentially, I could sing a particular note without any reference or starting point. I just kind of start. And somehow there was just sort of music in my head. I think the gift has faded a little bit today, if, if I'm honest, and you ask my kids who stand next to me in church as I sing. But when I was young, I also had a high soprano voice, and I could hit the high notes just as good as any girl could. Of course, as I entered adolescence, this was not only embarrassing for me, but, you know, my body and hormonal changes started making this more and more difficult, and I eventually dropped out of choir for uh, the last part of my high school years. I loved music, though. And as I started college, I joined the church choir, and when I went back to Moody in Chicago, I took part for the first couple years in the school's black gospel choir, as my years growing up in Detroit had given me this love for this kind of music. Well, I share all that because Cademan loved music too. But the problem was, Cademan was always out of tune. He wasn't good at it at all. You see, he lived and worked tending the animals at the Whitby Abbey, And whenever it was time for his turn in the group to sing as they passed around the harp, 
Cademan somehow found a way out, or he excused himself, embarrassed that he couldn't keep a tune, couldn't play. Well, back in those days, you know, one of the key parts of communal life was this playing the harp and singing. Usually at night, once the work of the day was finished, to relax. A group might gather around a fire, they might share some food, share some drinks, and they would pull out a harp, and each person would begin to sing. Usually they'd sing two songs, a song about the king and a song about God, but not Cademan. You see, he dreaded that time. He was afraid because he knew he couldn't play or sing no matter how much he wanted to. He would forget the words, and really, he couldn't sing a note worth a lick. Well, I wonder, have you ever felt like Cademan? Have you ever loved something so much, but you weren't very good at it? Have you ever struggled to speak or sing or share? And you kind of fumble the words or you struggle with the thoughts? Well, I kind of liken that to me and my story with soccer, if I'm honest. It's funny, a couple years ago, I was with my girls shooting hoops at the local rec center. And as I was teaching my girls how to hold the basketball and dribble and shoot, one of them commented, Dad, you're good at this. Why aren't you the chaplain for a basketball team rather than soccer? (laughs) Well, all that to say, it's one of those moments when you laugh and cry a little bit inside. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you'll know that a few years back, I shared my own soccer story in two parts. If you go back to March 2018, you can listen as I talk about that journey as a player. All this to say, in the way that Cademan felt about music and singing, I have many times felt this way about soccer. I wish I was better. And now I wish I was younger, fitter, and all those things. But two, to take a bit of what my daughter said to me, sometimes I wish I was better as a soccer chaplain, knowing and understanding soccer culture. Sure, I've served as chaplain for some 20 years now to a soccer team, but some days I feel as though I'm so very far away from really understanding the mind and mentality of footballers and managers and the people who love and live out this game. But here's the thing, and this gets back to Caden. God did something in Cademan's life. He didn't just leave Cademan to sit and fret, to have this passion and desire and no outlet, nowhere to go with it. And so what I want to do with you is I want to read a story of what happened in Cademan's life. And maybe, just maybe, for that thing that you have a God-given passion and drive for, and maybe life so far has been filled with disappointment or frustration around that thing, you know, maybe that thing can become what I call a holy dissatisfaction, a holy restlessness that God might hear the cry of your heart and he might see it and respond to it. So I want to read to you from one of my favorite books, Celtic Daily Prayer. I've talked about this book a million times, I'm sure, on this podcast. But here is the story of how God changed Cademan's life one night. And you can find this on page 197-198 of the original volume of Celtic Daily Prayer. Cademan loved to listen. Music thrilled him. And other people's stories, songs, and ballads carried him along as helplessly as a small boat on a rising tide. But he couldn't play a note on the harp nor could he sing a note in tune. If he tried to join in with a song when he was a child, everyone else was unable to keep singing. Besides, he could never remember any words. He couldn't even tell a joke and get it right. His head got all confused, and the words tumbled out back to front. So a night like tonight was torture for him. Heaven and hell, that's what it was. To hear each person share a song to listen to the music of the harp as it was passed along, strummed by one, touched gently by another, nothing could be sweeter. 
but the nearer it came to Cademan's turn, the more a sickness rose from his stomach, and his bowels stirred uneasily. At the last possible moment, he ran out of the hall. Once outside, he went straight to the cattle shed to check on his beasts, then threw himself down on his bed and passed into a fitful sleep. In his dreams, a man stood before him. Sing for me, Cademan, he said. Sing for me. I, I can't sing, Cademan protested. Why do you think I'm out here in the cattle shed instead of inside at the feast? Sing anyway. Sing for me. I don't know what to sing. Sing about the beginning of the world, and sing about creation. So Cademan sang a song of praise to the guardian of heaven, the father of glory. And in his dream, he was able to sing a song so beautiful that it could make you cry. When he awoke, the song was still with him. And he sang it for God and for himself. He sang it for the steward of all the farmlands of the abbey. He sang it for Abbess Hild herself when the steward told her what had happened. He sang it for all the scholars and holy men and women of the abbey whom the Lady Hild had called for. He sang it for the people of Whitby and everyone in the countryside round about. Now someone else looked after the cattle, while whoever could read aloud translated the scriptures for Cademan. Each night he sang aloud the things he had heard until a new song was prepared, explaining the Bible to his people in their own language. And for the rest of his life, his mouth spoke out the truths that filled his heart. Well, I love Cademan's story because of the redemptive nature of it. Here's a guy who takes care of animals and shovels dung for a living. And while maybe he's good at it and maybe he's content to do it, there's something inside of him that desires something different, something greater, something more, perhaps. And not even to replace what he's been doing, but just to participate to be able to do what so many of his friends are able to do, to play, to sing. For a number of years, as a hospice chaplain, I would sing over my patients as part of my visits with them. I would sing hymns and songs if they were Christian. One day, my boss encouraged me, if you learn the guitar, it would be a really nice addition. I was afraid. I actually can't read music, had never learned. But he told me, I'll teach you to play a few chords. And he was right. The guitar powerfully changed the way I was able to serve and minister to the dying and, and even to my own family. Now, I'm no great guitar player, but having the courage and participating in it is really meaningful, and I can imagine how Cademan felt. Cademan's story, too, reminds me of Moses. Remember when he encounters God in the burning bush in the desert? Moses has lots of reasons to question and doubt being sent as God's messenger, God's spokesperson. Exodus 4, verses 10 and 12 capture some of the part of the dialogue between Moses and God. Let me read it for you. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. In the same way that Cademan couldn't sing and couldn't carry a tune, Moses felt like he couldn't speak, which is funny because 
He was actually raised in Pharaoh's house, and for all the other Hebrews, he probably was the most educated and well-trained and well-spoken. But it didn't matter. It was God who aided him. You know, so many times, I don't think God is so interested in our excuses that we offer for why we can't do something. Remember, as I said last week, that in our weakness, God's strength is perfected. God really just wants willing and obedient people to be available to answer and respond to his call. Like a friend once remarked, a bowl is more useful when it's empty than when it's full. Sometimes we need to be emptied out of our fears, our excuses, of our hesitations, our reservations. We need to be emptied out so that we can be used by God. Well, what does this mean for us though? I think as we get set to take on a new season of soccer, there might be some things that are holding us back. There might be some ways that we think we cannot do something. You know, maybe the coach or manager is asking us to play a new position, to learn a new formation or take a new role with the team, like being a captain or, or mentoring another player. And we feel sometimes we're not quite up to the task or we're not qualified. You know, maybe you're starting with a new club, a new team. You don't know anyone, unsure of the season ahead. You don't know the lay of the land in the city or, or what the league looks like. Perhaps you're not the head manager in charge, and while you've got a position, maybe there's a new coaching philosophy or a new tactic being required and asked of you, and, and sort of you're having to adjust and accommodate to a different environment. Maybe if you're coming to the end of your football career, you're, you're starting to assess the different options that exist after the game, and, and maybe you're afraid because it seems overwhelming to think about, and you're unsure if you're going to be good at anything else or be able to quote-unquote make it, whether that's financially or otherwise. Or maybe it is that you just received a health diagnosis and the uncertainty of what lies ahead and what it means for you and your family has you gripped in panic. Well, these are all real fears. But my friend, God doesn't want us to remain frozen and paralyzed in fear. God doesn't want us cowering in the corner of some stable somewhere, afraid to take up the harp, afraid to take up the song. Sometimes we need to forget about all the crowds, the pressures around us, and we just need to focus our eyes on Jesus and to live it out, sing it out, play it out for him. And what if Cademan doesn't sing? What if Cademan doesn't take that risk as the man in the vision appears to him and and tells him, sing the song? What then? Well, Cademan is referred to many times in English medieval literature, but it's actually the English historian Bede who first refers to Cademan. He shares what, today, is the only piece of remaining poetry that we have from Cademan, called Cademan's Hymn. It's said to be the poem that Cademan first sang, the one that he sang after that dream, after that vision. Here I have it translated into modern English, and this is from the earliest English poems, third edition, in the Penguin Books, 1991. It goes like this. Praise now to the keeper of the kingdom of heaven, the power of the creator, the profound mind, of the glorious Father who fashioned the beginning, of every wonder the eternal Lord. For the children of men he made first, heaven as a roof, the holy creator. Then the Lord of mankind, the everlasting shepherd, ordained in the midst as a dwelling place. Almighty Lord, the earth for men. Cademan is known as the earliest known and named English poet, He doesn't achieve sainthood in the church, but his life impact is felt and profound. Cademan went on to produce, as the story told us, a lot more religious poetry and song for the church. He went on to take vows and become a monk. He he gobbled up the learning of scripture and the history of Christianity, and he turned all of that into poetry and song. 
which back in his day was a beautiful gift because so many people were illiterate. They didn't have access to books or education. They didn't have the things that we have today, the internet and those such things. And so they took the song and they could turn the foundations of faith into a simple little thing that they could carry with them wherever their work, wherever their life took them. And this beautifully helped to change and transform many lives. You know, if Cademan doesn't respond to God, if he absconds from the call, then his God-given gift, his love, his passion will die out. And his life is going to be lived out in the obscurity of a dingy stable. But as Cademan steps into that call, in obedience, wonderful things happen. You see, his superiors realize his giftedness. They encourage him to fully embrace and live those things out. And they say, Cademan, maybe it's time for someone else to tend the animals. Friend, maybe you need to hear those words today. Maybe you need to know that it's time for someone else to look after that thing that's been holding you back from taking on the call of God. Maybe it's time for you to move on and and step into God's call on your life more fully. And in what ways is God's call for you to give you voice to his song, to his message, which is maybe welling up and dwelling in your heart, your soul, and your mind? Friends, to close our time today, I want to read this prayer that weaves Cademan's life and call together. It's found on pages 198 and 201 of Celtic Daily Prayer. It's a little bit longer than my normal closing prayer, but I find it's powerful for us to consider. I know of many in football who, like Cademan, are afraid to live into the fullness of what God has for them. And God's call is to share his song, to share his message to the world around us, to those in the world who are without a voice, to those today that are oppressed and struggling. And maybe some of those things are because of their skin color or their social and economic standing or for some other reason. And this prayer encourages us to become the voice, the voice of God, the messenger of God, to live out Cademan's call to speak the truths of God to the world. If you're a footballer or a coach or tied into the game in some other way, consider the influence that you have. Consider those who are voiceless and in need of an advocate, a voice. Consider how God might be calling you to be that voice, to carry the message, the song for those desperate and in need. Hear now a litany of Cademan. I cannot speak unless you loose my tongue. I only stammer and I speak uncertainly. But if you touch my mouth, my Lord, then I will sing the story of your wonders. Teach me to hear that story through each person, to cradle a sense of wonder in their life, to honor the hard-earned wisdom of their sufferings, to waken their joy that the King of all kings stoops down to wash their feet, and looking up into their face says, I know, I understand. This world has become a world of broken dreams, where dreamers are hard to find and friends are few. Lord, be the gatherer of our dreams. You set the countless stars in place and found room for each of them to shine. You listen for us in your heaven-bright hall. Open your mouths to tell our tales of wonder. Teach us again the greatest story ever. The one who made the world became a little helpless child, then grew to be a carpenter with deep, far-seeing eyes. In time, the carpenter began to travel. 
in every village challenging the people to leave behind their selfish ways, be washed in living water, and let God be their king. The ordinary people crowded round him, frightened to miss a word he was speaking, bringing their friends, their children, all the sick and tired, so everyone could meet him, everyone be touched and given life. Some religious people were embarrassed. They did not like the company he kept and never knew just what he would do next. He said, how dare you wrap God up in good behavior and tell the poor that they should be like you? How can you live at ease with riches and success while those I love go hungry and are oppressed? It really is for such a time as this that I was given breath. His words were dangerous, not safe or tidy. In secret, his opponent said, it surely would be better that one person die. I think that would be better if he could. Expediency would be the very death of him. He died because they thought it might be good. You died that we might be forgiven, Lord. But that was not the end. You plundered death and made its jailhouse shudder, strode into life to meet your startled friends. I have a dream that all the world will meet you and know you, Jesus, in your living power, that someday soon all people everywhere will hear your story and hear it in a way they understand. I cannot speak unless you loose my tongue. I only stammer and I speak uncertainly. But if you touch my mouth, my Lord, then I will sing the story of your wonders. So many who have heard forget to tell the story. Here am I, my Jesus, teach me. Amen. Well, this is Rev. Brad coming to you from the Touchline.